Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Thank you for joining the conversation on Colloquium. This episode is brought to you by Excelsior Capital, an investment platform focused on democratizing private equity by providing individuals access to direct opportunities. To learn more about the firm, please visit excelsiorgp.com and connect with Brian on LinkedIn. Hello and welcome to the conversation on Colloquium. Today, I'm excited to have Winston Justice with us today. Winston, thanks for making time on what is maybe like the most beautiful spring day of the year yeah. in Nashville right now. So um, thank you for, for being inside with us for a little bit. It's a pleasure to have you. And, you know, you've got a really interesting background. We've, we've had the chance to connect through some Nashville circles, but maybe for the audience, just give a little bit kind of background on, on where you kind of grew up and obviously your professional career and then and a little bit of what you're doing today. My name is Winston Justice. I am an investment manager at Alliance Bernstein, also um, a co-founder of um, Elixir Coffee Shops. And then I also do some uh, ad, ad, adjunct uh, professor work at Lipscomb too, as well. I'm originally from California and I was born and raised in California and I actually didn't want to leave. And so I ended up going, going to USC and um, I enjoyed living there so much because I, I didn't really experience anything else that I thought the Chargers were going to uh, draft me, but they didn't. And I ended up getting drafted to um, the Eagles in um, 2006. Well, I'm a, I'm a big football pa- fan. And I remember, I mean, you were on that just loaded USC team. That was so yeah. much fun to watch that, you know, Pete Carroll was having a lot of fun and had a ton of success. And how many Heisman Trophy guys were on your team when you played there? Yeah. So I, you know, I just really, I, I was, I was really at the right place at the right time. So I ended up playing with Carson Palmer, which he won the Heisman trophy back in 2002 and then Reggie Bush and then, and then Matt, you know, so I got to play, play with some really, really awesome guys. Also, you know, coaching too, you know, Pete, Pete Carroll was extremely patient and 
a lot of the attributes I, you know, I, I learned at USC from this coaching, you know, I, I really implement in, in um, my business today. And I grew up uh, a big Giants fan. So I remember when you were playing that's, for the Eagles, just that's cr- too bad. crushing, <laughs> crushing my Giants uh, on a, on a, you know, um, <laughs> annual basis. Um, and I don't want to spend, you know, a ton of time on the playing career, but yeah. what I'm more interested in is hearing about what the end of the career looked like for you and how you were able to pivot successfully into business, which it seems like a lot of guys really struggle with that transition. Yeah. And to be honest, anyone that's in one field for a long period of time then, and um, has to, you know, pivot to a different, you know, completely different, you know, um, sector is challenging. Right. And that's what athletes have to do. Cause it does end, you know, when I was drafted to the Eagles and I was voted the team rep for the team, team rep for the Eagles, um, a, a team rep is someone that's between the players and coaches and also, you know, uh, the players and the owners, I realized that, um, I needed to, you know, go actually go back to school. So when I was at USC, I majored in, you know, staying eligible. And when I started with the Eagles, um, I started to become fascinated and um, with finance. And so what I did was I reached out to every athlete uh, that was more successful after their playing days than um, during. And everyone took my call. And um, that that just led to uh, me being introduced to uh, finance in a way that allowed me to really do do a both, right? So um, when I was with the Eagles, um, I, I started a small VC fund with um, Jamal Mashburn. And um, that whole experience led me to want to be on the public side instead of the you know, private side, uh, because there's a, a, there's a set distinct skill for that. But it was a great experience. And, uh, and um, I felt like I learned a lot. Now, to go back to your question, when athletes, when most athletes retire at the end of their career, it's, it's, it's more like a game of, Hey, do teams still want me? Or, you know, I could, I feel like I could still play, but no one else thinks so. And so you're kind of waiting for a call and working out at the same time until you don't get any, any more calls. And so that's, that, (laughs) that, that was my experience. You know, I, um, I was working out and at the same time, you know, preparing for life after football and um, I just didn't get a call. And then my first, you know, I guess a gig outside of football was with Wells Fargo Securities. And how did that take place? Did you have a connection there? Did you ask? I mean, I'm always fascinated with kind of the minutia of how people make those pretty massive transitions, right? Did you have a relationship at Wells or... Um, I did. And that relationship started while I was playing. There's a group down in Wells Fargo that, you know, did a long only strategy and then in turn sold that strategy to different financial advisors across the um, you know, nation. And I developed that relationship while I was with, you know, Indy and Denver. And um, towards the end of my career, when I started failing physicals, I started putting feelers out for different opportunities and Wells Fargo Securities was one of those opportunities. And uh, they gave me a, you know, they gave me an awesome shot. And I remember, you know, failing a physical 
with the Cardinals on Thursday and starting with Wells Fargo on Tuesday because I, I didn't want it, I didn't want to have a, like a like a lull time there because I've seen guys take time off and it turned on to it, it turned into a long off season right and you know you look up and it's four years and you know you you haven't really done anything now look if you go to a doctor and tell a doctor hey you can't you can't be a doctor anymore right that doctor would have a challenge getting into a, a different field right because i think as men we do find a lot of identity in what we do so i don't think this is just something that athletes deal with it's just um is magnified because it makes a good news story we're gonna get a little deep here how hard was it from an ego perspective because i assume you know, you had such success at a really high profile high school, obviously tremendous success in college. You were, I think, a second round pick in the NFL. And then all of a sudden, everything, your your focus and passion and identity, you know, like you said, Thursday, you're putting on pads or working out. And then Tuesday, you're putting on a suit and tie. How hard was it from an ego perspective to, to deal with that transition? I think it's extremely hard because you find identity and you, almost your significance and that I, and, and look, no matter how healthy you are or how much you prepare, and I felt like I was very prepared, you, you do find, you know, some identity in being a football player. And, and, and also playing at such a young age, sometimes you start to get to build relationships and you start to question those relationships and say, man, you know, if I wasn't a player, will those relationships still be there? Now, all those relationships were, that was just me, you know, talking negatively. And again, I don't think this is just for athletes, but it's a, it's a difficult tran- transition that I think more players are starting to do it more successfully than in the past. I think more players are beginning, are, are more sophisticated in their investments, uh, the way they approach their platform of sports and, and how that opens up so many doors. So I think more athletes are able to make that transition and use a lot of the attributes they, they, they have during football after, you know? And that was one of the things I wanted to ask you. It's a great point. And, you know, I'm 38, so I've been watching pro sports for most of my adult life. It seems like today athletes understand the power brand that they have and they have the leverage of social media to get their story out there into the marketplace do you think that's, I mean, how do you view that dynamic? Because it certainly just wasn't the case in the 80s, 90s, 2000s. They just, it seemed like the athletes were owned by whatever sponsorship brand they were able to to get. But now it seems like the athletes have more control and have been empowered recently. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, I, I think, I think the mindset has changed. Like the athletes realize that they, sports provides a platform for 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 them to express their express themselves through business and look football opened up so many doors that normally wouldn't be open from a kid that grew up in Long Beach California um, and 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 I'm really grateful for that I know the NFL gets a bad rap sometimes you know people say hey they don't care about their players or you know the concussions but look football the NFL has has given me a lot of opportunities that normally you know, wouldn't be offered, you know, to me, like for instance, school. I mean, just as long as you pass your, you know, you know, 
plastery classes, you don't, I mean, they, they offer educational, you know, services. So I think more athletes are starting to realize that and they're able to build on their platform and also um, pull on their networks in unique ways. Yeah. I think it's a trend that we're going to continue to see moving forward. And actually I've got a friend in town, um, Hunter Hillenmeyer, who's a Nashville native played for the, the bears for a long time. He's doing some really cool things on the venture capital side to help athletes leverage those brands and, and invest in those companies and, you know, have that network of athletes that can then add value beyond just the the capital they're investing into the into the firms themselves and the and the companies. So it's an interesting time to be in that space. So let's kind of fast forward. You're working at Wells Fargo. You had had a relationship prior to that. What was it like entering into the office workforce at the age of I don't know how old were you? Like 30, 31. Yeah, what was that was, like? Yeah. <laughs> You know, most people um, have a little buffer there, right? They intern at, I don't know, Erson Young. Uh, you know, they you know they intern somewhere, then they have an entry level job. Even though my job with Wells was in entry level, so I felt like I had a lot of catching up to do, especially working in a big corporate, uh, you know, organization like Wells Fargo. You know, things don't move as fast. You know, if you put work into something in sports, you know, you could change something and then go in the film room and see if that changed. Um, Whereas an investment, sometimes it just takes longer for that to come into fruition. Also, um, accountability wasn't as prevalent. It was just kind of hidden, right? Or I just didn't grasp it. Whereas, you know, accountability in sports is right there, right? It's, hey, you either made the play or you didn't. And so learning those attributes in the corporate world was, um, was different. So it, it, it was challenging the grasp at, at, at first, but I had, I had some really good mentors to lead me along the way. And then how long did you um, stay at Wells? And, and when did you pick up all of these other degrees and certifications? Was that something that you've been working on while you were playing or that was that after you had retired? So I did that while I was playing. So I was with the Eagles. It, this is right after the lockout. So um, well, well, during the, the the lockout, I really wanted to go back to school and, um, you know, major in, in um, finance. And um, I started applying to schools. I, I ended up going to George Washington University. And, you know, it was the first time I enjoyed school, right? I, I took the train down from Philly to Washington. And um, I really got to immerse myself in the, you know, in the curriculum of, of, of uh, finance. So, yeah, so I got all those certifications well while I was playing. So in the off season, I used that time to train and, and like learn, you know, and not, not just from, you know, at a university, but also um, I used that opportunity to meet with as much CEOs, entrepreneurs as possible. And to be honest, I, I learned a lot from that too, as well. People are like books, right? If you ask them enough questions, you'll start to learn a lot and maybe learn from their mistakes. So you, you don't have to make them. Yeah. And it, it seems like already, you know, we're only been talking for 20 minutes or so, but there's a theme of in being intentional about your networking, your relationship building. Did yeah. you always know that there was going to be this phase of life after your playing career? Because it seems like you were very thoughtful about planting seeds that then kind of became helpful down the road. It was thoughtful. And that was a, 
something that was that progressed the more and more I was in the in the NFL. I saw some really good people get cut and really good people get traded. And then I started looking around and said, this isn't going to last that that long. And you know what? People would rather take my call now than after. So yeah, I make and, as calls as much and, and I don't want to be, and so I want to unpack that a little bit with that. It seems like you're, I mean, we've had coffee and you're just a very, yeah. aff, you're a very affable, gregarious, nice yeah. guy. Yeah. And so I'm sure naturally you, you network and that just comes yeah. to you, but also how much of that was based on this, this advice and feedback you got from these other guys who had, like you said, had been successful post career playing. Was that the advice that they gave you? That was one of the advice because, um, you know, Jamal Mashburn, which was a really good, he was a good, really awesome mentor for me. He always, you know, advised on surrounding yourself with the right type of people. And if you surround yourself with the right type of people, when a problem does arise or, you know, a business issue, or you have a, if you have something you want to pursue, you could pull in and ask those questions to get the sufficient knowledge for you to make a more educated choice. And so I always try to always try to really surround myself with the best type of people because you know you're not an expert in everything. No one's an expert in everything, right? You know, if I could surround myself with people that could plug those other gaps, you know, it's a recipe for success. I want to talk a little bit more about a statement that you, you made earlier about that people were more likely to take a call when you were in the show than out of it. <laughs> yeah. Did you feel comfortable doing that, or did you have some kind of internal strife with you know? taking it, I don't know, taking advantage of the position that you held, or you just thought this is the game that we're in, this is the world we live in, I'm going to take full advantage and leverages to the hilt. I just thought, look, I mean, we're all people and, you know, people are like flawed, right? I'm, I'm flawed too. And people would rather talk with a current player that's actually playing than one that hasn't. I mean, that's how, you know, people are. So I, I didn't feel like I was, you know, taking advantage of the situation or I didn't feel ill will towards the people I'm trying to reach out to. I thought it was an opportunity to develop a relationship, you know, or plant the seeds of it before, like, you know, I'm in the position where like, I need to create this community. Right. And so the following question to that is how hard was it to separate your identity as a player versus being an associate at Wells Fargo once you yeah. got into the office? It was really hard. And that's something I still struggle with now. I, I'm not saying like, I don't like this conversation about football, but I mean, you know, that football does open up the doors, but then after that, you need to prove or show the skill of whatever field you're in too as well. Cause then you have that stigma of an athlete, right? Like maybe, you know, he, he doesn't, you know, doesn't have the skill or knowledge to really do the job, you know? So it's almost like you're in the door, but then now just like everything else in life, you need to show you have the skills to get the job done at, at like a high level. Well, I'll, I'll be wide open. When I was prepping for this conversation and you go to your Wikipedia page, it's pretty much just all about you being a player, which is interesting yeah. and compelling. And let's be honest, there's just not a lot of you yeah. around, right? I mean, starting left tackles in the NFL, they're <laughs> just not, there's, it's a small population, but at the same time, I didn't want to just spend the whole conversation talking about some game or, or a bowl or something. I wanted to get into what you do professionally, but it is part of the story. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it's I didn't just totally avoid it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like you can't avoid it. That's that's like part that's part of my story. And I do wrap that up into a lot of what I do now. 
You know, I mean, look, when I walk into the room, I mean, if you're, you know, six, seven, 300 pounds, people are going to say, man, he must've played somewhere. You know? Yeah. And I will say for, for people who haven't had, for people who haven't had the chance to meet Winston in person, he he's not as big as he was when he played, but he's still a big dude. <laughs> when you meet yeah. him, it just is what yeah. it is. So, so let's get into it though. So you're at Wells. What happened next? So um, I started developing a relationship with um, a gentleman named Lloyd Make Adams. And um, he's a CEO of um, uh, Pacific Income Advisors. And so we started a, a relationship and I started working with him to um, be a hedge fund manager for a multi-manager asset platform. And that was an awesome experience. He, he was an awesome mentor. Everyone there was you know, awesome mentors. And um, I, I got an opportunity to, to, to be a portfolio manager at, at, you know, early on in my uh, career. And um, I thought I you know, learned a lot. So, you know, after Wales, I, I think that was an awesome addition to, you know, developing insight in the sector of finance. And, and what was the difference between going from a big wirehouse corporate gig to what was a more boutique, you know, hedge fund style shop? I enjoyed the change because that accountability was there again. Um, whereas, you know, Wells, you... Look, Wells is a, a successful, you know, company. I'm not, not saying, but it, you know, when you get something that big, the accountability is lacking. When it, but but when you get to a smaller shop, it's like if if we don't make it work, it's not going to work. And so I felt like that accountability was there. I felt like the aspect of team was there, and also um, that common goal to really accomplish something that's somewhat bigger than yourself. It, it was like you know, a step forward in the corporate world that, but I, I felt used to it because it felt like I was on the offensive line once again, you know, what do you, so. what do you mean by that? The, the teamwork component, the teamwork component, I'm working, I'm working with someone. I know, I know their strengths. They know my strengths, but also I know their weaknesses too. And they know, um, you know, mine, you know, to like go back to football. Right. You know, I, I didn't like being bull rushed. Right. And so usually I played next to like a really big guard, right. To really take a lot of that brunt, you know, it was the same thing with the fund. You know, we, we were able to, you know, um, support each other's weaknesses and and actually highlight, you know, our strengths. How how long were you at the, this hedge fund? I was there for two years. And And where was, um, where was it based? It was based in Santa Monica, California. Which, which begs the question, how did you end up in Nashville? And, and yeah. And what, so when, what, what years were the hedge fund? It was 2016 and 17. Got it. So before and, you made, before you made the move. Yeah. And um, I, I was recruited by um, Bernstein at the time. And I wanted to be with a firm that uh, allowed me to, to combine, you know, finance and mission and actually, you know, have more of a substantial impact. Right. When, when the opportunity with Bernstein came, um, I was really hesitant to really, um, you know, take the um, position because it's really, it was really client facing, you know, um, not institutional client facing, but like people client facing. Uh, ho- ho- hopefully that's clear, right? It's like, you know, yeah, you're not talking about entities and organizations. You're talking no. about high net worth individuals or families. And what was, yeah. what was your fear? Did you, were they, were you afraid that they were going to use your, your football background as a way to get in front of people or? Well, no, no. So my fear wasn't with Bernstein. I think my fear was not, you know, looking the part. 
because I, you know, I used to sell the, the long only portfolio strategy to financial advisors. You know, I used to talk about the hedge fund to financial advisors and they all looked a certain way. That's like going to an NFL combine, right? And seeing how offensive tackle looks. And then you see someone that doesn't look like an offensive tackle. That was just, a, you know, a negative, you know, thought on myself, but actually it's been the total opposite. It has really been, it's really been a way that I could really combine finance and mission because I really get to be an impactful part of, of people's lives, right? Now, the bulk of our business at Bernstein is with smaller foundations and endowments and nonprofits, sub 300 million. But the, the, but the few families we do work with, we really get to be in the intimate relationship because people are really guarded about their assets, right? They'll talk about everything else, but how much money the, money they have. And so to be in those you know, living rooms with those families is, is really like a circuit, you know, a, a circuit moment, you know, not to take away the work we do with nonprofits and foundations, because like, I, I think that's awesome too. And, and we're really building financial legacy there too, as well. But um, working with families, it's been really um, su- surprisingly gratifying and impactful. And, and how hard was it to get a Southern California guy to, to move to middle Tennessee and including the, you, you yeah. have, you're, you're married and you have three children. So, so I moved my family around a lot, right? We went to, you know, from California, then Philly, then, you know, Indy, Denver, Florida. So we we're, we're all over. And so I wanted my kids to be, I wanted them to be able to lay down roots somewhere and say like this, my son corny, man, we've been, you know, friends ever since we were, you know, 10. And I want them to be from somewhere, you know? And so, you know, Nashville for us, when we came to visit was that combination where we could like lay down roots here, you know? So it wasn't that hard to really make a move. I mean, after you live in Philly, you can live anywhere. I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Philly hating. Yeah, no, no, no. Philly, Philly (laughs) Philly is great, but it was a culture shock coming from like, Southern California to Philadelphia is just totally different, you know, and oh, look, yeah. we, we, we still have coffee shops there in uh, Philly. We're a really big fan of Philly. It's just, you know, we, we just feel more comfortable living here in Nashville. You know? So it's been what, three years now? It's been two and a half. Now, if you, if you subtract the COVID year, I'm <laughs> can't subtract the COVID year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, unfortunately you cannot subtract it. And, and it's been, it's been good. You've been happy at Alliance Bernstein and the family's settled in well and middle Tennessee has been a, a welcoming place for you. You know, it's been surprisingly um, welcoming. You know, we, we, we try to be involved in the community as much as possible and then for us being like, you know, you have three young kids, you know, we try to be involved with the school they go to, you know, I try to coach as much as possible. I also try to be involved in local boards too, as well. And I, and I like to be part of boards that my family could be part of too. Like I'm part of like YCAP and, you know, um, national uh, coaching coalition, the, Na- the national sports council. And then, um, I, I'm a big fan of faith-based education. And so that's one of the reasons why I got involved with um, Lipscomb, which really led to, you know, me, um, you know, teaching there certain mornings. So Yeah. So I, I want to talk about that. You're, you're a man of faith. That's a big part of your life, a big part of your, your family culture. Was that always the case? Was that something that you grew up with? No, 
It wasn't. I didn't become a Christian until uh, my first year in the NFL. I, I happened to be in, in my camp room with Christians on the Eagles. And every morning, they just invite me to uh, to uh, Bible study. And every morning, I would say no, because <laughs> uh, I'll lose a half hour of sleep. And I don't want to lose a half hour of sleep. <laughs> and so um, that, that first year was a really rough year for me. And um, during the season, um, I started going to Bible study, not because I was like searching for Jesus or anything. I just wanted something. I wanted something to change. And I guess I, I used it as almost like a counseling session. Like I needed to talk about it. So anyway, so that, that, that was the, you know, bottom, you know, planting the seeds of, you know, me becoming a Christian. So I, I ended up, you know, becoming a Christian that um, first year. And um, I felt like I needed to like go on mission trips and like, you know, I needed to like do something above and like beyond. And so Actually, that that was a catalyst of how we launched the coffee shops was when I when I first became a Christian and going on mission trips and like, you know, going on the mission trip and then surfing and drinking coffee after. So talk about the coffee. Talk talk about the coffee shop. I know you've mentioned it. You've referenced it. I should have probably done this earlier in the conversation, but give us the story and the background and, and what it is. So, you know, my brother in law is probably my best friend. And when I first became a Christian, we went on like mission trips together and we said, you know, go, go on mission trips and, and surf and then drink coffee. And so back in 2009, he came up with the idea of launching like a coffee shop in Philly. Right. That's what we did. We, we launched one and well, actually the, the idea started back in 2006, but we started the process in 2009 and then we didn't launch till 2010. So the first shop was open in 2010 and then it, it, and then now it grew to seven stores and we, you know, we have a roastery and we just launched here in Nashville. So this is the first time there's, there's a bricks and six location, a retail location here. Yeah, there is. Okay. Yeah, it's, cool. it's, on, it's in the fifth and Broadway development. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm getting back into the world here now. So um, yeah. I'll have to go check it out. That's cool. Yeah, and is it, do the proceeds go towards a, a Christian organization or something or no, they actually okay. don't. But um, we, we, we give to anything that's, that we feel passionate about locally too as well. It doesn't have to be Christian. And, and actually we're looking to, um, to develop those partnerships now. I'm a, I'm a huge uh, Predators fan. So I'll have to get in there before a, before a game one day and get caffeinated, oh, yeah, definitely. Get, get caffeinated up before I go scream at, at people playing hockey. And, and then talk about the, the Venture Capital Fund as well. When did that happen, and is it still ongoing? Or no, no, no. We um, we um, we wrapped that up. When I first started getting into finance, my um, I I had a really awesome mentor. His name is Rick Inatome. He 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 was a partner at Sterling Capital, and um, he, he sparked my fascination with like equity. And I felt like I wanted to you know be like a VC manager. I thought that was like success. And so, um, and then launching that with uh, my mentor, you know, Jamal Mashburn was, was, was an awesome learning experience. And, you know, also, you know, like a dream come true. That whole experience made me realize that in the VC world, I think real value is actually rolling up your sleeves and, and being part of that process of, of, of expanding revenue and not just making an investment and then hoping it works out. I think we, we were the latter part. We were, you know, <laughs> hoping it works out. 
and and and, and there's a special skill set to being a a successful venture capital manager that you know just I didn't choose to do. Now I'm still invested in VC. I think that's an awesome sector to be in. It's just I'm not going to be the manager. So. <laughs> Well, that, I mean, that's that's how you learn, right? And and given that, and especially your background and what you're doing now, what does success look like for you? My success for me is trying to impact as much people that I come in contact with for the for the better. And you know, some some people are gifted in music. Some people are gifted in like speaking. I'm not. I have a horrible stutter. I had a stutter ever since I was born, and so. That was always a challenge, challenge, challenge for me. I can't spell, but I do enjoy finance, right? And I do enjoy asset allocation. I do enjoy leading people towards a common goal. And so, for now, that's how that's how I am. I um, impact change. I, I I I impact change through, you know, finance through working with nonprofits and foundations and working with 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 like families to, you know, transfer knowledge, values, and also wealth. And, and also I impact change. I mean, I, I, I create change through, through business, right? I think that's the best way to do it is, is this through the coffee shop too, as well. And, and that's just not for customers. That's for, you know, using the revenue we generate to give back to different causes and also for the em- employees too, you know, the employees that come work at a lecture, we're not at the point yet where someone could, you know, come to Elixir and just retire there, right? We know that they're going to come and then they're going to do, do different jobs, you know, but we want this, we want them, we want Elixir to be, you know, a step for them in the right direction, right? We're committed to their success. And if that success is, you know, coming here, coming to Elixir for two years and then doing something awesome afterwards, we're definitely going to put them in a better position than, you know, after, than, than when they walk through the doors. And, and what about, you know, in terms of Alliance Bernstein, what is your kind of mandate right now? What is, what is the focus? Where are you spending most of your time? So I'm spending most of my time working with nonprofits, foundations, and endowments. That could be a museum, a school, a small university. That's most of my time. That's the business I lead. And that's the business that I'm building. Right? I feel like I'm a corporate entrepreneur and Bernstein, you know, fosters, you know, an environment to really, you know, build that, you know, so it's a really inspirational place to work. When I used to watch film, I always wanted to be really prepared. Right. And I used to watch film, the player I'm going against over and over you know, and so, but with Bernstein, I mean, in finance, the film is research, right? So I get to work at the largest research firm in the world, right? So it feels like, you know, I have a, you know, a lot of research, a lot of support, you know, a lot of resources at my disposal to really, you know, come up with the best type of allocations, the best type of solutions for, you know, the clients we um, work with. It sounds like you're happy there. I'm happy for you. Um, I know some of the, I've, I've had a chance to meet Adam Sansevieri and I know some yeah. of the private wealth management folks. Yeah. And it's awesome that they're in town. I think it's a total game changer for Nashville. And it seems like they're only growing their presence in the footprint here, which I think is is great. Yeah. So I'm excited yeah. to see, see what they have in store for us. Um, I think I'm actually participating in the Earth Day event that you all are putting on. 
Yeah. Ste- Stephanie Fletcher pinged me about it. So yeah, climate. For- climate yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm looking yeah. forward to to helping out there. Well, listen, I want to be mindful of your time. Um, I know you're busy, but I want to thank you for for coming on and talking and just telling your story. So I really appreciate it. Yeah. I am curious. Do you still keep up with football at all? You still watch or keep up with USC or anything? So do I watch the games or yeah. I don't watch them like I should. So I do watch some football games, but not like, well, not like I should. I just don't watch them as much, you know, especially when you have kids and, you know, I might watch a game with, with like my, my, my son, but I don't really keep up with it. Why? Well, I'm just always curious. I mean, I know some friends that played, you know, competitive college sports and yeah. it's, it's weird. It's almost bifurcated. Like some of them, Never, never want to watch another game in their lives. They're just totally done with it. And other folks almost are, you know, too close to the programs. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, curious. To, to be totally honest, it's probably too much of information. At first, you know, you're kind of bitter that you're not playing. But now it's not that at all. Now it's like, you know, you just don't have the time to really sit down and watch, you know. And like, I would want to, you know, because I, I like following like the coaches like Andy Reid or you know, some, some of the players that I play with that are still playing and root for them. We just don't, we just don't, just don't have the time. You're a busy guy. You're le- you're leading a full life. That's a good thing. Yeah. Full life. I bet you are as well. You know? Well, I get to talk to cool people like you. So if this is considered work, I think I'm, I'm doing just fine. Well, Winston, could you maybe tell us a little bit about how people, if they want to learn, if, if they work at a nonprofit or a foundation, or if they're with a family office or even a high net worth individual, What's a good way for them to learn more about Alliance Bernstein and the work that you do there? Well, one, one way to look at, I mean, learn more about Alliance Bernstein is you go on Bernstein.com. As far, you know, as, you know, me, I'm, I'm not on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm not on any social media. I know that's really odd nowadays, but I'm not. So, but hey, um, I do check my uh, email on a, on a very consistent basis. And, um, you know, if, they, if you really do want to reach out for any reason, um, my work email is winston.justice at birdsteam.com. Yeah, we'll close the content info. And I'm, of course, happy to facilitate introductions as well. So yeah. with that, we'll sign off. I hope you get a chance to spend a little bit of time outside today. It's beautiful. But it thanks again. And, and I look it. forward to, uh, you know, having uh, yeah. buying you a cup of coffee at Elixir, hopefully soon. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> look, looking forward to it. Right. Thanks, Winston. Anytime. Thanks Take again. care. Thank you for joining the conversation on Colloquium. If you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please like, rate, or leave us a review. And stay tuned for our next episode coming soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 